0: Yeah. Hey, come on. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Brian Phillips. Brian is a black belt under Professor Scott Smith at Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Of Kentucky. Really appreciate Brian joining me today. If you enjoy the episode today and you want to support the show, please specifically send me some health insurance referrals for individuals who are going on to Medicare. That would be my ideal referral. Uh, normally, it would be either in Kentucky or the state of Florida. But I'm actually licensed in 14 states, so that would be my ideal referral. If you want to support the show, please send me some referrals. Here are the details for the other sponsors of the show. life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by uh, Brian Phillips. Brian is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Uh, anyone who's trained really in Louisville, maybe even you know further Kentucky, all across the the country even, with some, a lot of people know who Brian is. Brian, I appreciate you coming on the show today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Um, Of course, I'm fortunate I get to train with you at Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Kentucky. I think you actually taught one of the first Jiu-Jitsu classes uh, (laughs) that not only I attended in 2016, but that both my kids attended in 2014 when they started two years prior to me. So you've been a big part of my personal journey, and I know that... That you have uh, impacted not only me and my family, uh, but a lot of other people through, the, through specifically teaching jiu-jitsu consistently. Yeah, well, likewise. And, uh, you know, I, I
1: remember you for a couple of years. We, we talked about this not too long ago. You were an observer you know, mm-hmm. just bring your kids in like many parents do yep. and watching from the sidelines. And then one day you decided to do it. Yeah. And uh rest is
0: history, right? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. It's funny how that works because uh, thinking back, I was not thinking I could be doing this. Right. Yeah. I didn't really have people approaching me saying you should be training. I didn't even, never stuck around and watched an adult class. Yeah. I was just. Naive, and then little did I know I went through a divorce, and my mother signed me up for it without me knowing. It's like you were gonna like this, and I was mad because I couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. But then once I got, you know, even day one, I got kind of beat up, had to tap, yep, and it just kind of I liked it. And your mom is a saint. She trained for a while too. She did for a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. she's a sweet lady.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And. Yeah, that, that's awesome, man. Because you have to set an example. I feel like as a as a dad, as, or as a parent, for your kids, you know, to get in there and show vulner, vulnerability and uh, and put yourself on the line, you know. And that's uh, tough. A lot of people can't handle that first week or first month of just constantly being bombarded and being submitted. And it's it's tough. It's a it's a very tough sport, and it's uh, it really brings out um, your personality. You know, they always say that you can't hide your personality on the mats and it's, it's, it's true, you know? So hats off to you, man. And, you know, I, uh, I think you've learned, uh, you know, in terms of now purple belt, been training for several years now teaching a lot as well, just really furthers your understanding of the technical aspect of Mm jujitsu, which is what, um, I think starting out, you know, building the knowledge and then training that knowledge into becoming applicable skill, is, is, uh, quite a process and it's not something that's as easily obtained as in like maybe other styles because it's, it's so dynamic, you know, it's not this predetermined set of techniques that you're performing against a willing opponent. It's, it's a lot of, you know, stress and struggle that, um, people have a tendency to kind of want to avoid when the ego gets involved, especially.
0: You and I obviously have Drink the Kool Aid. We're all in on the <laughs> jujitsu thing. So if someone's listening and they're not into jujitsu and they're like, "Yeah, these guys are selling jujitsu," we get yeah. it. Yep. Um, I think there's something to be said for as an adult putting yourself out there and trying something new, even if it's not jujitsu. Uh, uh, something that's you and I are both experiences is mm-hmm. we're trying to learn a new language. Yeah. We're both on Duolingo, so there's some yes. similarities. That's not easy, is it?
1: No, it's not. That it's not is not, easy, not easy. I'm doing Spanish,
0: of course. Brian, you're doing Portuguese. That's right. That's right.
1: Almost, you're almost a year in, and I think yep, I'm almost a year in too. I mean, I think today was my 335th day, okay, in a row. And I know you're you're right at a year two, and it it is definitely a process and something that I continue to struggle with. I'm supplementing it now with an online. Uh, tutor uh, because oh, wow. Duolingo is wonderful for um, the grammar and vocabulary, but as you know, when you're talking to a native speaker, uh, it's it, it's a lot different. You know mm. the, the process. You you recognize things, but the reaction time between hearing it, understanding it, and the response is so long, and the lag is just so great that it's you know it, it's it's it can be frustrating. You know, and jujitsu is like that too.
0: That was kind of mm. what I was. Drawing a parallel there is yeah. to go into something be like I'm gonna I go to with my mother-in-law who speaks no English and I, if I try to say something I know I'm gonna sound stupid. Hopefully I sound very stupid, but she can kind of understand what I was saying. Right. So it kind of is similar in that when you start jujitsu, you're gonna go out there, and if your kids are watching, or even if no one else is in the room, yes, you got to have some humility. You're gonna fall on your face. And then yes. it's a matter of kind of how you deal with it. And you keep working. That's right. You know, and, you know, just to
1: kind of circle back to on being a bystander and starting and watching from the sidelines. One thing I really have enjoyed over the last year or so has been the influence of more moms in the academy with their kids, mm. um, you know, because having women in jujitsu uh, is it, it, it's, it's it's very intimidating in the very beginning, you know, and. Uh, and we've had a lot of moms uh, who have kids who have uh, encouraged each other and um, and really persuaded each other to to join and sign up. So now, any given you know class, especially the ones in the evening that I teach, you know we have seven women on the mats, which is pretty incredible. Um, and uh, and that's something that I feel like has been really nice, um, and it's and it's grown over the years. Um, and so. Hats off to all the, the, the parents out there who are kind of walking the talk when it comes to doing something that's challenging
0: and, and really setting that example for, their, for the kids. And it sounds corny, but you don't need to be the best to set a good example for your kids. Right. You go out there, you get beat up, you tap, yep. you have a good attitude about it, you handle it the right way. Um, but it, not only it's a good example for the kids and for anyone else watching, but it, it's empowering to feel that you can yes. put yourself out there, fail. But keep a good attitude, and, and
1: you know, I, I, there's some gentle, um, you know, trash talking that takes place. I think uh, between instructors and parents too. When parents have, you know, a natural tendency to want to coach from the from the sidelines their kids in, in jujitsu, and if they don't train, you know, as an instructor, you 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 want to go over sometimes, and I do this from from on occasion. I know you do too, and just say, hey, you know. If you really want to help your kids with jujitsu, sign up for classes, and and then, <laughs> and then you can speak intelligently about it. And I was talking to you know Professor Smith Scott, you know the owner, about this the other day. It's 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 and it's also when parents are coaching from the sidelines. If the other, if the kid of the other, um, their opponent, if the parents aren't there, then it's then it's one parent ganging up on the mm. other kid along with their kid. And it's then the other kid who doesn't have the parent there for whatever reason, maybe they're out doing running errands or whatever, you know, they're, they're left looking at you as an instructor, like, well, can you coach me? Because my opponent's getting coached and I feel like I'm at a loss here. So anyways, it's uh we try to have that, that, that conversation, like, you know, look, this isn't the world championships. This isn't the Moondells just let your kid have fun and let this be a playground for your children Uh, and, and, and they'll grow and they'll, they'll deal with struggle, they'll deal with adversity and, and let them figure it out on themselves because you aren't always going to be there when your kid has a, uh, a a challenge and they need to have that, those mental tools and skills, um, to develop that in a safe environment that'll be uh, applicable to other areas of their life, you know? So try to avoid the helicopter parenting.
0: Yeah. A lot of, um, challenges. I know you've been teaching kids jiu-jitsu for how many years? I started teaching martial arts to kids when I was 16 and it
1: wasn't jiu-jitsu in the very beginning. Um, but at the time I was taking a style called Shelling Kempo Karate and I was needing a summer job basically as a high schooler. And at the time I had been training at that point martial arts since I was nine and started first teaching kids, and it was kind of baptism by fire, right? Um, drinking from a fire hose, however you want to call it. And fortunately, over the years, I've had some very good mentors uh, and uh, instructors who have been very exceptional at teaching uh, kids. And so uh, that's something that's been honed over the years, and I feel today um, my first Jiu-Jitsu class teaching kids was in probably in my early 20s. So okay. over 20 years, I've been teaching teaching kids. I love it. It's, as you know, um, it, it's, it, it is a challenge at times. Um, and there are some times where, you know, you go in and you just, some classes, the, you know, the the, the wheels come off the cart right within for the first five minutes, but it's, it's always fun. And I think as long as you bring a, um, a sense of caring uh, and tough love to, to it, uh, a nice balance between the two, I feel like the kids are going to enjoy the class and you got to want it, You, you need to keep them coming back so you want to have structure but you want to have the ability to uh, be flexible at the same time sure so you
0: started training martial arts at
1: the age of 16 is that right i started teach uh training martial arts when i was nine years old okay and And it's
0: been a couple years but you were on here before and just as a recap for people who are not familiar with brian phillips what's that story
1: yeah so (laughs) this will date me a little bit but it was the year was 1989 and my grandmother found a coupon in the local newspaper and it was like sign up for one month, get one month free plus a free uniform. And so uh, my mom and my grandmother took me into this academy in Jefferson town and in Kentucky. And uh, my first private class or the first introductory class rather was a one-on-one with the instructor. And I was so nervous that I threw up all over the place. I got sick. Uh, We had had lunch prior and I was so nervous because this was at the time, you know, the Karate Kid came out and Cobra Kai and like all this other stuff. So I didn't know really what I was getting into other than what I'd seen in Hollywood and movies. And uh, I was a bit intimidated and uh, I just couldn't deal with my nerves and got sick. And then after that, my mom, dad, grandma, they were like, there's no way he's going to want to come back and train martial arts. And the next day I was like, I want to go back. I want to sign up. And they were like, "Really, you want to? You want to do this?" And so I did. And I was—I say this all the time to all the kids, especially new kids. I would be the last. If you li- if you would have lined up all the kids in my class, I would probably be, or, or would have been one of the ones that you would have said, you know, there's no way he'll be a black belt one day. There's no way he's going to last. I was overweight. I was clumsy. Were you overweight yeah. as a kid? I was. I was very overweight, and I won't say I wasn't obese, but I wasn't like you know, in, in a swimmer's build, let's just put it that way. And, uh, and so, you know, I uh, just stuck with it. And they always say it's not who's best, it's who's last, right? And so you hang in there um, over years, and it's become a lifestyle for me, my kids are involved in it now today. And uh, it's just been wonderful uh, with the academy that we have. And I've trained all over the world, uh, many different academies, and they all have their great things. Uh, but there's, for me, there's no place like home.
0: So, of course, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu of Kentucky is the home base. And when you say home base, that indicates that you have trained at other gyms. Yes.
1: Yeah, so... Um,
0: Tell me about that. Within Kentucky, you've trained at other gyms, other states. And yes. Other countries. Other countries, yeah. So,
1: you know, obviously, going to open mats at other gyms in town, um, having friends from over the years. You know, the Jiu-Jitsu community in Kentucky is really... T- Close knit, and so lots of great talent here in the state, and then within Pedro Sauer's Association, um, all across the world, there are affiliate association academies that are just wonderful, good people, great technique, and um, it's a nice you know home away from home whenever you're you're traveling, um, which, whether that's in the United States or in Brazil too, um, where his um, his camps are. When did you first go to Brazil? So I went to Brazil as a purple belt back in 2011. I've seen pictures. And, I think you were with Rob McDowell. Yeah, Rob McDowell, So uh, who's now a black belt. Matt Harrison, who is a black belt over Derby City, really talented guy. Uh, Kurt Wimsett, who's at CORE. Um, there's There were a few of us who went on that trip. It was a great time and really was um, one of the first times I tested for brown belt when I was there. And uh, it was, it was a a great international trip. It was, it was awesome. It was my first introduction to, uh, to the Gracie Petropolis Academy, which is not technically an affiliate under Pedro Sauer, uh, but is a Gracie Humata school under uh, Holker uh, in Rio de Janeiro and, and, and Hoyler and those guys and incredible academy, the, the, instructor there the owner Breno Angelo is a fifth degree black belt good friends with Pedro Sauer and has just welcomed me and all the students there too have welcomed me uh to come and and train and and to teach too which has been phenomenal um since that time in 2011 and I went back again for the second time this past January and I'm going back again for the third time later this week
0: very cool so you're gonna maybe start doing it a little bit more regularly when you can maybe once a year every couple yeah, of years something
1: like that absolutely I love you know I, I just really love the vibe in in Brazil love the people um, it is uh, it's 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 great for me too, to be able to go and disconnect um, I, I love traveling in the states and going to different camps um, that the association has and other seminars. But uh, to, to actually leave the country, is, is, it's, it's more than just about jiu-jitsu. It's about that life experience and um, being able to absorb, you know, the full um, spectrum of not just the training but the people, the food, the culture, getting outside of your comfort zone in so many different ways and, um, and really growing not only with your jiu-jitsu but also as a person. I think travel really, really does that because especially when you travel to other countries, um, you're, you know, you, you, you don't have those, those comforts of home, um, or just those things that you can kind of fall back on. I mean, you know, there are fortunately, um, several of my friends there speak, uh, good English. A lot of, most of the people, uh, don't, but the commonality though is, is just jujitsu and in training. And even if you're going, um, and training with someone who knows zero English, just, uh, again, that, that fluency and just jujitsu is, is all that matters and all that counts. And there's that brotherhood, that sisterhood that is present,
0: not uh, no matter where you are are the, well, I should say is the etiquette is the on mat, mm-hmm. uh, actions of the people in Brazil. You go into a jujitsu class. Is it pretty similar to what we experience here mm-hmm. or a little rougher, a little bit, uh, uh different in any ways sure so i can i can only speak to my experience um i know others have
1: been to brazil and may have different um uh different experiences there but for me uh the the formality is still is very similar in terms of class structure um and the on the mat etiquette uh is very very similar so you know the the warm-ups are uh, the, the class structure is pretty much the same as far as you know um, bowing, um, warming up for 15 minutes, That doing the warm-ups that are somewhat related to or completely related to the technique that you're going to be learning. Then you have the stand-up portion, takedown practice or self-defense. Then you have the uh, actual on-the-ground instruction um, from different positions. And then you have the rolling portion as well. And so that's very similar to to how our structure is. So it really hasn't been uh, much of a um, a change for me going from from here, you know, to there. Obviously, my Portuguese is very terrible still. So <laughs> I have some friends who are very good with making sure I um, I, I I I don't look like a, a ball lost in tall grass when I'm when I'm on the mats. <laughs>
0: There was a post related to our episode today, and we had some people from the Academy yeah. who ma- ma- uh, commented some questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll sure. navigate through these. First, sure. first and foremost, Brandon Pledger asked, will I ever <laughs> get my Gracie Jiu-Jitsu rash guards? Will he get his rash guards at some point? Yeah, I hope so.
1: I, ho- I really hope so. Um, you know, these things are, are like uh, a solar eclipse. They only come around ever so often. So uh, get it while you can. And uh, I've heard that they're on their way. Probably on a slow boat from China, but um, hopefully he'll get it here very soon.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, Chris Flicky asked, how many classes after the new Blue Belts received their promotions <laughs> do you wait before absolutely throttling them, he said, "Asking for a friend." So it's not him, but how hard until you go hard on a new blue belt? I think right away. I think you have to right away. You know, I mean, because you don't know how
1: long a new blue belt's going to stick around. So you 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 can't let any any kind of grass grow under your feet when it comes to uh, putting the pressure on those guys. You know, um, we just had a really you know it's I, I, and I'll, I'll say this and all joking aside there. You know, we had a a class of of blue belts who uh, or, or white belts, you just recently tested for blue belts. And it was one of the best tests that I've been a part of, um, as far as just all of the, all of the students just being so technically sound and proficient with the, with the moves. I mean, I, I go back to my blue belt test long time ago and I did not look <laughs> anywhere near as, uh, as crisp as, as those, those folks, uh, did on that test. And I think that's the goal is, as far as every generation of, of blue belts or purple belts, no matter what the belt is. You always, especially as an instructor, want your students to be better than you at that particular rank, right? So better blue belts than I was at a blue belt, uh, better purple belts, brown belts, black belts, et cetera. So uh, I think that's, that's, that's the goal or should be the goal uh, for anybody. But as far as, you know, it, yeah, get your licks in while you can. Um, you know, do it in a in a good, respectful way. Always tease, especially some of the the blue belt moms. That uh, that you know, it's uh, the gloves are off, and now's the now's the time for the hard training. And they're they're good sports about it, and uh, we have a lot of fun when it comes to that. Professor
0: Adam Miller asked, "What is your favorite submission?" And it says, "So I know what to avoid." <laughs> so Adam knows what submission to avoid. What is your favorite?
1: Uh, I'll just say this. So. Uh, you know there are levels to this. Um, I, I would I would be very fortunate to be ever put in a position where I could even get close to landing a submission on Professor Adam Miller or even Professor Smith as, as a black belt uh, who's been a black belt since 2016. Those guys, Professor Miller and Professor Smith, have been black belts a lot longer than me, and uh, it's it's a matter of survival when I when I face those guys. But to, not to dodge the question, to get to the question. Uh, anything with uh, strangles is is what um, I really love and enjoy. So collar chokes, um, you know, basic cross collar. I play a lot of butterfly guards. So anything with um, yeah, cross collar chokes, palm up, palm up, palm up, palm down, um, loop chokes, etc. Because um, once you lock those in, I feel like um, you your success rate for the submissions are are really high um at least for me uh, once i once i really sink it in and can make the connection i feel like my i feel like i'm going to submit the uh the person when it comes to that but getting there is the hard part
0: and especially on somebody as talented as as that guy (laughs) ken tran asked how has your game evolved from when you were a blue belt Mm. to a purple Mm -hmm. brown and now of course black how has your game Um, evolved because what i see now is a a and I'm not just blowing smoke, a finished, mm-hmm. you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you not only ha- can do a lot of different things with your game, but you're really good at teaching those yeah. details. Actually, like you, I teach kids jujitsu, but yeah. like seeing you teach an adult class, that's like a graduate. Mm-hmm. Le- that's a different level of, sure. of of stuff. But how has your game evolved over time through the different ranks? Uh, so I struggled
1: a lot with learning jujitsu. And so I feel like that's been I, a key to my success is I've 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 been through those battles. I've I've struggled through it. I've had to really step back and analyze not just how to do the technique, but why the technique works. And so you know, from white belt to blue belt, it's this accumulation of different different techniques, and you're working them almost in a static environment against somebody who you know you're training, you're practicing them against somebody who is a very cooperative opponent, right? And so. Um, from white to blue belt it was just learning the letters of the alphabet right and then once you get the blue belt and then blue belt to purple you're camping out a long time and then you're trying to really stress test those techniques in an environment against a resisting opponent and uh, and understanding like how to make the movements occur uh, in harmony with your breath so your physical exertion uh, doesn't uh, outpace, uh, the, uh, intensity of the match in terms of burning out quickly. You know, a common example of this is when you're applying a strangle, a choke, you hold your breath, at, you know, to finish it. And you see it happen all the time on the mats with, with adults, white belts, and even blue belts. And then, you know, it's, it's almost the equivalent of a missed punch in boxing. You can only have so many of those missed punches before, you just wear yourself out, right? So you have to make all of those di- all of those things count. And you know, I know a lot of people like to roll and train, but drilling is a very important part of it, especially a blue belt. And the better you look at drilling, then the better you will be, in my mind, uh, in terms of applying that that technical soundness and that proficiency in uh, against an opponent who is resisting you. And so. Um, uh, one of the things, too, is, is you get to purple belt, brown belt, and black belt, I feel like is is understanding, you know, how to make your whole body work together and understanding uh, how to finish uh, your opponent, right? Because you're taught from the very beginning, take the fight to the ground, get past the legs, go through the different pins and submission uh, or positions, and then uh, end the fight uh, with the, with a strangle or a, a submission like an arm bar, um, And that's a lot for somebody to do under pressure and under stress. And um, I feel as, as a black belt now, it's more of understanding really the intricacies of of how you make things work. So you know, just a quick example: armbar. Understanding how to use your legs independently to control somebody so they can't stack you and so they can't posture in order to escape. Um, and to be heavy on the head, with the uh, the leg that's over the head, and then with the leg that's on the torso, applying enough pressure to push such that they can't get close to you, and then squeezing the knees, and understanding at every every aspect of the technique how it should work, and th- then your success rate goes up, and that takes so much time, uh, and that's something that you're not going to master from white belt to blue belt. It really wasn't until, you know, brown belt that I really started to, to focus in on, um, okay, now I know have a, a good encyclopedia of moves. Now let's scale those back and really focus on honing um, them and how they should work against resisting opponents of any any size and skill
0: level. It's interesting because we all have certain submissions that come a little bit more natural to us, and then some that aren't natural at all. Mm -hmm. So I always think of my friend Jamel Muhammad, our friend Jamel Muhammad. Yeah, yeah. He's not real tall. You know, I think he fights at 135, 145 pro as an MMA fighter, but he won one of his most recent MMA fights with a real nice triangle off his back, and I think he's Mm -hmm. 5'4", 5'5", something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I said to him afterwards, like, I'm almost 5'10", and I say that I'm too short for triangles. Yeah. Jamel, how how yeah. does that work for you? Because it looked great. He did it very technical. And he said he just would try it for years, and then somewhere around purple belts, that kind of started clicking. And his triangle game kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know if he could even put it into words more than mm-hmm. years on the mat, and then kind of it started working. Yeah. You know, and he's a very skilled um, black
1: belt and just awesome guy. And, you know... It, with, with triangles, especially, you know, there's, there's just so many different things that can go wrong well, if with any technique, but especially with triangles, um, as, especially against somebody who's resisting you, um, understanding the connection with the legs, the angles, um, controlling the head, uh, such that they can't, you know, keeping them in your power zone so that their head doesn't get above your hips. Um, all of those things we always, you know, always tell the kids, you know, Keep the jack inside the box. The head pops out. You're you're gonna you're gonna lose it all together, and then you have to you know struggle uh, to 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 transition into something else. But yeah, I mean that's another example of of a, of a technique that looks so simple, but there's so many different things and nuances that that come into play. Um, that uh, again, just time on the mat uh, is the is the only recipe for it. There's no magic pill that you can take or secret formula. It's just just,
0: just grinding it out. Professor Scott Smith has a question. Says, does your beard hold superpowers? <laughs> if so, what kind? And can you say Worcestershire sauce? And for the record, I believe Scott spelled Worcestershire sauce incorrectly. <laughs> for those of you listening at home, I'm, I'm confident Scott spelled it wrong. Let me check. Yep, spelled it incorrectly. Incorrectly? Yes.
1: Well, there you go. You know, I mean, <laughs> with the beard... Um, so I would say that it, it does act as a, as a shock absorber, uh, and it does allow me to, uh, to, to, to prevent sweat from dripping on my opponents cause it all gets absorbed and I kind of wring it out like a t-shirt after working out, uh, at the end of class and it does, uh, make me look probably a little tougher, um, you know, uh, and so I'll take any advantage I can get on the mats, you know, there is for Worcestershire sauce, um, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's a whole other podcast. I feel like we could go into many different uh, uh, rabbit holes on that one.
0: But. I had multiple other questions. <laughs> it looks like a lot of them were kind of horsing around type stuff, so I don't even know. Some of these don't even make sense to me. Um, but to, to bounce around a little bit, that's kind of my interview style. Yeah. Over the years of teaching kids jujitsu, jitsu have you had any specific, specifically teaching kids, because I know you also <laughs> teach adults Two days a week, every week. Yeah, right. That's right. Okay, um, and you've been doing that for many years. Um, is there anything in particular that stands out to you as the most rewarding for you? Mm-hmm. To, it doesn't even have to be a specific kid, but is it? Sure. What, what's the most rewarding part of teaching kids jujitsu for you? I, I'd say in general, it
1: is when you take a kid who, on their first day, is just almost terrified of getting on the mats, and maybe they only participate in a portion of the class, five minutes. And then over the course of weeks, months, then you start to see that kid really grow um, in their confidence, in their, um, in self-discipline, and in just, you know, you hear it, you see it on the mats, but what you really find is when the parents come to you and say, you know, this, this has just been tremendous for my child in so many different ways because he or she used to not be able to do xyz and now they're they're doing it maybe they they're not speaking up in class when they know the answer to a question that the teacher's asking and their confidence just goes through the roof and you know all the techniques all the stuff is just surface level it's those those deeper connections that take place that um, that I feel is is most rewarding and there was a time um, where I taught private classes to a kid who had uh, autism and had very um, uh, there's degrees to it of course and I'm not an expert in the field but I'd know enough to know that this kid in in talking to his mom did not like loud noises did not like um, to be touched did not like to be in situations where there were bright lights or or a lot of stimulation and so obviously with jiu-jitsu there's a lot of you know, contact. There's a lot of, um, uh, stimulation. And so you slow pedal it and it feels like almost in the beginning as an instructor, cause you, cause you know, I was comparing it to how I teach other, other people. You have to really meet the student with, you know, where they are. And over a course of several months, um, this student really, uh, grew in terms of being able to actually get on the ground to train, keeping it fun, keeping it, it, it it in a way that um, you're not putting a lot of pressure on them, and uh, and that was I- incredibly rewarding to be able to um, to teach uh, someone who uh, was wasn't wouldn't be your typical student in terms of uh, having a high degree or high caliber of of athleticism. Um, and 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 for me, that that was just really really rewarding to be able to to work. With, uh, with people who have different types of challenges and to and to, to meet them where they are and to help build on those and and, and improve um, you know in, in their confidence um, and their self-esteem you know all of that and so that's that's been probably one of the best best things it's hard I mean you know it's it's it takes a lot of mental exertion especially uh, when you teach, I teach three kids' classes, and then I go into teaching adults, and then, you know, we're training. And so by the time, like on a Wednesday, I get there probably around 4.30 p.m., and I leave around 10, and then I'm just wiped by the end of the night. And then you're, you know, trying to get to bed at night, and you're just so amped up, and it's like 1 or 2 in the morning, and then you're like, okay, (laughs) hopefully I can get to sleep. But
0: it's all worth it. Okay, so same question, Um, but for adult classes. mm Mm-hmm. What's rewarding for you about teaching an adult jiu-jitsu class?
1: Yeah, so for me, with uh, with with adults, because um, you know, you're in there with white belts all the way up to brown belts, and so what I what I really love to do is um, take a simple concept and to teach the mechanics of it of let's just say the upa and. Understanding that the, it's a process that the, they're just not going to master this technique over the course of the next hour, um, but then to be able to provide enough of of quality instruction to where no matter what rank is in that class, they're going to benefit from the technique, and then to be able to string it all together, such that because for me, I like to m- make sure that the takedown to lead into the position wherever possible, that the position um, then relates to the submission that's going to be taught, uh, and all of that working together is an, an, a nice provides a nice continuity in terms of how how best a, a, a student can learn. And so, when I hear at the end of a class from white belts all the way to black belts, man, that was really awesome. That you know I got a lot out of this. Uh, you know I picked up some new details here. Um and that just is, is is when it all works together in harmony it, it it's really rewarding and that's what I try to strive for I never go into a class um blindly as far as well, I don't know what I'm going to teach or now there have been times where I've had a game plan and then it's scrapped within the first five minutes so I'm a big time planner and I like to make sure that I I have a, a very um a solid approach to to teaching in a way that not only uh, demonstrates the mechanics, but also um, the why behind we, why we do things without overloading the students. Uh, and that's all a fine balance, of course. Um, so it's kind of more of a general answer. Um, I love, too, the the fact that we have a lot more women in the classes. Mm. That's huge um, to me because I feel like jiu-jitsu is for everyone, but especially for women, um, it, it is big. It is the most effective self-defense um, form of self-defense, for in, in terms of the situations that that they would find themselves in, with getting grabbed, taken to the ground, you know, God forbid, rape scenarios. Um, I, I think you know if you can supplement jujitsu with striking or any art that provides this dynamic sparring aspect, um, is is going to make you a very well-rounded fighter. And um, for women, I think it's it's very important that um, so even from the early age, my daughter, for instance, building that confidence, your daughter, Caitlin, and, and Carla, in their training and getting exposed to, you know, these these situations to where they know how to handle themselves. And when they go out, you feel good about understanding that if they were to be in a situation, they have the confidence to be able to handle themselves and at least enough to be able to get away from a situation. And um, And I feel like that, equipping people with that self-confidence uh, is is very very re- rewarding.
0: A woman's program thriving is kind of evasive to gym owners. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the best word, but it's it's kind of something that everybody, all gym owners, I believe, want to have. Yeah. But it's difficult at times. You know, just you and I being, mm-hmm. you know, grown men, and you know, yeah. not the strongest guys in the world, but you know, having grown man strength is one thing, and then getting on the mats. Average-sized men getting in there, fighting other men, that's one thing. Yeah. But you have a female who gets in there, and the likelihood of a female sticking around in the world of jiu-jitsu just isn't, right. isn't uh, the same as for a male. Yeah. Uh, recently, of course, I'll leave people out here, but Christy, mm-hmm. Meredith, Melissa, we have a really good group. Of course, Morgan and Dina yeah. – you know, we've got a really good group right now of females training at the academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you credit that to? I, I credit it to the community
1: that we have with the the parents um, while they're watching their kids. And we're encouraging the conversation to take place amongst the different parents. And then, you know, one starts and it's a domino effect. And and that is is really... Hasn't been. I don't. I wouldn't say a. We haven't directly marketed and advertised mm-hmm. to uh, to women with about jujitsu. Um, but it's been that. Um, I won't say peer pressure, but it's just been this. Hey, try it out. I'm gonna be in class. You know, we're friends. Work with me, and it's this us as instructors facilitating. You know, I I I always thought you know you needed to have a women's only program, and I think in some gyms that works really well. But I think in our gym especially that the women wanna train with men. They want to train with each other. They they want to be able to, to stress test their techniques against people who are bigger and stronger than them because that's gonna emulate more kind of a real world situation. And so the the, the women at our at our gym in particular, um, I, I'm we're very, very protective over, over them. I, I am I am for sure. I will partner them up with people who I know, you know, if it's, they're not working with each other, that I know they're not going to get, um, smashed or crushed. I mean, we have a great group of people, but if it's somebody who's brand new and you're putting them up against somebody, you know, like a female blue belt and it, it, you want to minimize risk, you know, of course, uh, and, and, in in and, and, play to the strengths. And then it's not coddling, but it's just being smart about who their training partners are and building them up over time to where you know eventually you know me being in brazil um there are are black belt women for sure and i trained with one this past time who submitted me legitimately and it's like you know that's that's the power of jujitsu right and that's where you that's where you want all of your female students to get uh to the point where it doesn't matter if they're rolling with with any type of, 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 of man of any size, they're going to be able to protect themselves, survive, and probably get a submission.
0: So last time you were in Brazil, you rolled with a female who did submit you. Oh, absolutely. Yes. What, what did she get you with? She got me with a punch choke. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty aggressive. So Yeah. Yeah. She, she,
1: you know, is smaller than me, very smaller than me. And, uh, you know, I remember um, I, I did a butterfly guard sweep. And I had an overhook grip, swept, she wrapped my okay. arm, and uh, on the other side, she uh, she had her fist in my collar and, and punch choked me, and uh, submitted me. And that was, you know, like, hey, checkmate, good job. Very cool, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, when I was in Brazil in 2011, at the time, Mackenzie Dern, who's UFC champion now, she was purple belt at the Gracie Academy, and I was getting ready to test for brown belt on that trip, and... Uh, Pedro had paired me up with Mackenzie Dern. I didn't know who she was. She wasn't fighting MMA at that time. Um, I'd just seen her rolling with other black belts and submitting those black belt men. Wow. And then she just destroyed me, obviously. And I remember going to Pedro after the fact and was like, I don't even really want to test for brown belt now. I don't feel like I'm deserving of it. She just smoked me. I couldn't do anything. And he said, Oh, my friend, that's Megadon Diaz's daughter. She's a world champion. He's a world champion. You know, don't feel bad. You know, and and, uh, and so you just have to, you know, again, just leave your ego at the door uh, and check it. It's hard to do, but uh, you know, it's just jujitsu, man. And whether you're male, female, kid, whomever, you're, you're gonna, it's it's gonna work for you. Just devote the time to it. So I enjoy it. I don't, you know, um, get bugged out over tapping. I mean, you're gonna tap to, you know, any, you know, people across the board, whether they're, you know. Black belt, women, black belt, men, purple belt, brown belt. I mean, we have talented blue belts at our academy. Who oh God! You got to watch yourself uh, with them, you know, Clint or Todd. Oh yeah. Oh gosh, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's awesome. I mean, I love getting out there as an instructor and um, rolling and putting myself, putting my neck on the line and taking risks and and just I just enjoy
0: the the the, the grind. It's a uh, enjoyable hobby, and I'm trying to think: is there another sport? Where women can hang with men like that. Like, I don't know, you know, basketball, <laughs> yeah. if the best basketball, mm-hmm. Brittany Griner goes to play against mm-hmm. uh, Nikolai Jokic, the best player in the NBA, yeah. I don't know if it's going to be... Now, obviously, female, right? ma- the top male, Gordon Ryan, isn't going to get submitted by the top female. So yeah. th- that still exists, but yeah. you-, you saying you saw Mackenzie Dern not only submit you... yeah. But also submitting other black belts at that time in 2011. I mean, For sure. That's 12 years ago. And mm-hmm. I mean, she's probably only gotten better since then, I would guess. Yeah. So you know, and, it's an interesting balancing act where it's it, women can hang with men. Absolutely. Especially if it's
1: a hobbyist versus somebody who's competitive. Mm. You know, somebody's really training to, to be a fighter or, or maybe a pro basketball player against somebody who does pickup games. You know, it, 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 there, there's just levels to it, right, um, in any sport, but especially in jiu-jitsu. Um, somebody who's, who is just training two, three times a day has that world championship mindset versus somebody who has a full-time job and kids and, and everything. It's, it's the level of, of timing, of endurance, of technical ability, all of that um, is just going to be far superior than somebody who's just training twice a week, you know, for a couple hours and just looking to get in shape. So it depends on the goal, um, but but certainly, you know, there's so many talented women at our gym and in that I've trained against, you know, across the board. And I know there are some some guys who just avoid. The, the females, because they don't want to be put in a position of being tapped out by them. Mm. And, and I love seeing that in action and how it plays out.
0: So <laughs> fight like a girl has a new meaning, right, when it comes to, j- to jiu-jitsu. The goal for many who come into Gracie Jiu-Jitsu of Kentucky in particular is it seems like it's a family-oriented academy. Your average mm-hmm. guy who walks on the mats for the first time is maybe in his 20s or even 30s. Sometimes. So it's not always a young kid who's going to be a lifelong competitor and things like that. Instead, which I think has been a very intelligent move by Professor Scott Smith and you, really. Yeah, I would say you and Adam Miller and Scott, but Scott and Donna, what they have cultivated is a atmosphere that Mm -hmm. really... You don't, you don't want to say kid gloves or coddles yep. the new people, but to a yep. degree almost. It's like, hey, we don't want you to get hurt. We want you to learn and to slowly progress you to the point where you're going to be, you know, you can go kind of hard in here and train yep. and enjoy it. But hopefully, first and foremost, stay on the mats for the long run. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, and I would say within the, the general academy population, you have different um, – kind of niche groups as far as you know we're all working together we're all training together but within the student body you have very competitive minded students uh we who we have a community of those students who work together train together push together help each other out get ready for tournaments get ready for you know pro mma fights amateur mma fights and we have people who also will float in and out of those different circles, right? So, for instance, I don't fight MMA, but if somebody is fighting MMA, um, I will sometimes drop in and push that person. Or if they're training for uh, an IBJJF tournament, uh, go in and push them and train with them. But am I always doing competition classes? know right and my body won't be able to keep up with that then you have hobbyists and um, the full-time you know professionals um, who just want to get good, a good workout but I think you also need to have an appreciation within each of those groups and we do of what it, it, as you're training with somebody you know what is that what is their goal at the end of this right and and so where I'm going with it is if I'm training with somebody who is I know fighting in a tournament coming up I'm like hey I'm okay if you want to go hard right and had to have that understanding or if I'm going up against a hobbyist being able to um, there's a term called code switch as far as you know adjusting my um, intensity and in, in what I'm doing to still push the person or still push me so we each get something out of that And I feel like as long as you have that understanding and it's up to us as leaders of the academy to make sure that our students recognize that you're not going to go full throttle across the board against, you know, if you're a 20-year-old going against somebody who's in their 50s, right, like adjust your intensity accordingly. And it's not that you're not being able to get something out of that. It's just you may have to limit yourself in order to to improve, you know. Um, Maybe you're only working arm bars, for instance, against that person. Versus just trying to smash them all the time, right? And so, in terms of student retention, I feel like that's really helped over over time. Being safe, um, and um, and it's worked really well, especially in the kids' classes too, and keeping folks around.
0: What would your advice be to maybe a, a white belt who's listening, whether they're Gracie Jiu Jitsu, a Kentucky, or another you know studio somewhere else? Um, obviously, you know we know. Try to keep a good attitude. Don't yeah. get too high. Don't get too low. Keep coming is important. Yeah. Um, but really, what would you say is the 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 main piece of advice? Because you, I'm guessing, Brian, you would say Jujitsu has dramatically, positively impacted your life, mm-hmm. without a doubt.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I I would say, um, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Um, in in as as a white belt, even as a blue belt. Um. Obviously, I always say just find an instructor or an, or a group of instructors that you have a good chemistry with, and because if you have that chemistry, then good things are going to happen. And because if you have good chemistry with the instructor or instructors, the leaders of the academy, that's going to trickle down into the student body, and you're going to have a good experience in general. And so. Um, the more you can kind of train yourself to relax, to, to be in, uh, put in bad positions and and breathe and stay comfortable, become an escape artist, you know, um, ask good questions, have a good attitude. Um, the more that you are, um, friendly on the mats, the more people are going to want to help you. And Mm -hmm. that is only going to increase your 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 growth by you know an exponential amount because if you're a jerk and you got something to prove I'm not going to go out of my way if I'm just a regular student who's you know tapping you left and right to tell you what you're doing wrong you know um, I'm going to probably keep doing what I'm doing to you um, and and you know you have Students who come in from time to time who, no matter what you do, are, are just only have that mindset of win, win, win at all costs. And that's a real detriment to uh, to your progress as a white belt um, is it's those own kind of um, delusions of grandeur that get in way of actual improvement um, across the board. So the more you can put, those, put all of that aside and focus on just – Every class, just get 1% better and with some aspect of it, whether it's breathing, whether it's, you know, identifying, you know, ways to control somebody, um, look for submission opportunities uh, as you get into the blue belts, um and, and to not, again, put unrealistic expectations on yourself because that's only going to um, uh, frustrate you at the end of the day. How many days will you be in Brazil on this upcoming trip? So I'll be there, I leave, I'll be there a total of nine days. And so, you know, for me, um, I will be training w- once a day for sure for a few hours. Some days I'll do two a days. Uh, and and then um, any more than that for me is my body is just not at the point where it could, it could keep up with that, you know. Um, I love it. Um, the intensity of course, you know, being a second degree black belt and going into Brazil, um, uh, it, we have a, an incredible academy that I train at there. I, I never feel like I'm being hunted. Um, I know sometimes you have that experience and it's okay. I mean, to have that pressure, um, and to have people coming in and wanting to train hard. Uh, but it's, it's for me, I don't have anything to prove. I love to go and have fun. I love to teach. Fortunately, I've been asked to, to teach um, in, as a, a person from the United States, uh, going and teaching Brazilians their beautiful art and being offered the opportunity to do that is an incredible privilege. And it, it also says a lot about the academy, uh, especially Gracie Petropolis, where they are, are so welcoming of, of, of people like myself who come in and, um, I, you know, just, just, there's just a great mutual respect and they're just wonderful people. So if you're ever in Brazil, go to Gracie Petropolis, uh, Pedro Sauer's camp is also, um, there's another one coming up in August and then there's another one in January as, are, as well in 2024 that I'll be going back to. So, um, definitely put it on your bucket list if you can get there because it's, it's definitely worth the time and the investment. What year
0: did you take your first jiu-jitsu class?
1: So I t- took my first jiu-jitsu class in 1996. Wow. And
0: Were you originally under Pedro?
1: So I was not originally under Pedro. Uh, the instructor at the time, instructors at the time, were um, going to California to get classes in with Hickson. Okay. And they would fly to California and this was in the mid-'90s, of course, and Hickson was doing the Pride events. And uh, the first UFC, I believe, was in 1992, I, be- I want to say, or 93. I
0: think maybe October 93, Yeah, I'm thinking correctly. I and, think. and, and so, you know... He, Just it, a few years after that's when you got into it. That's correct. So it still wasn't that big. Either. still wasn't that big. And
1: uh, I remember, I didn't even know that uh, he was they were even doing jujitsu and until they got their blue belts and then they started incorporated in, in into the karate classes before they started offering the group classes in jujitsu. Okay. And my first class, um, wasn't really a jitsu class. It was part of my karate class where the instructor put me down, got mounted and said, okay, how are you going to escape from this? And no clue wore myself out. And, um, it really opened my eyes to, i need to learn this stuff right <laughs> and uh, then of course once that happened uh, started getting the uh, Gracie in action vhs tapes and watching all the challenge matches and just seeing these guys just tear apart folks who have no idea and there, and it really stripped away the mysticism of martial arts in terms of um, you, you know everybody watches mcdojo these days and um, on instagram and see and, and people get caught up in this uh you know, again, the mysticism of the techniques that if I touch you a certain way, you're going to fall and be incapacitated. And and the reality of it is that, you know, if you go up against somebody who knows what they're doing, none of that stuff's going to work, right? (laughs) And so Pedro Sauer was originally part of Hickson's association. And when Hickson was fighting and there were so many demands on his time uh, he had his instructors, who were part of his association, do seminars on his behalf. And so Pedro Sauer came to Louisville, and we loved anybody who's ever had a seminar with Pedro Sauer or uh, seen his interviews. The, the, he's just an incredible human being all across the board, and who just happens to be really good at jujitsu, and has this um, um, personality and this way of life that just is is just attracts a lot of good people. And so, um, I got my blue belt from Pedro Sauer in 1998, and then I took some time off for college, life, got my purple belt in 2008, brown belt in 2011 in Brazil, black belt in 2016, and uh,
0: been training with Pedro ever since. Okay. Do you have any goals when it comes to jiu-jitsu? Yeah, so now, you know, for me, it's just really, um,
1: like I always say, there's levels to this. It's, it's just to be a better instructor, to um, pass on all of the different um, techniques and principles that I've been fortunate enough to learn over the years directly from my instructors, from Pedro, from the Gracies. You know, I, just, just to not be selfish with my techniques and with my time and always try to go um, ab- ab- above and beyond for students because that helps me grow and that helps me get better with my techniques and in uh, my knowledge of jiu-jitsu the more I teach it. So teaching it is, is, is a big part of that, but it's also putting my neck out there a little bit. I would love to compete again. Uh, and the masters um, at, at some point. I don't know when that'll be, but uh, maybe when my kids get a little bit older, but I, I got the bu- I got the itch to compete again, and um, and I would love to do it on
0: the world stage in Brazil at some point in the future. That's, that's on my bucket list too. Have you ever attended a jiu-jitsu seminar, <laughs> and in hindsight, you look back on it, and you're like, man, that was weird. <laughs> or any martial arts seminar. And it's a story that you could tell on air. Sure. Do you have anything for me? I have a feeling. I don't know which uh, direction it'll go, but I have a feeling you have a good answer. Let's, uh, let's hear what you got. Yeah, so I will, I will say with much respect to Megaton
1: Diaz. Uh, but uh, my first jujitsu seminar as a white belt was uh, Megaton Diaz who came to uh, an academy in Evansville, Indiana. And um I think ahead of time, the backstory was that uh, they wanted a really hard training camp, right? So they wanted a seminar that was going to be brutal, going to be challenging, and uh, Megaton delivered on that. <laughs> so, you know, I've since met him, and he's a wonderful guy, so friendly, so nice, incredibly talented. He's a Coral Belt now, but at the time, uh, he was, I think, even a world champion back then in the mid-90s, and uh, this first technique, that he demonstrated which is just the self-defense rear choke from behind grab the arm hip throw and uh he threw me so hard that it uh i chipped a tooth and knocked about knocked the wind out of me i thought i'd broken a rib and uh i was like it just put such a bad taste in my mouth i mean the first day of the seminar we had probably 60 students in there and then the by day two, it was so brutal and so hot because it was in the middle of July, and they turned the air off. We were in like this big metal building. It was hot; it's probably eighty-five degrees on the mats in there. Day two, we probably had maybe twenty people, I would say. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but it was it was eye-opening in the sense that the stuff that he taught it was a lot of techniques, but it it really made me appreciate, man, this stuff works, and there's so many different layers. I really want to get involved in this, and. You know, I wouldn't technically want to do that type of training, uh, full time. I mean, and I was 16 years old then, right? So I could I could keep up, but I can't imagine now, at my age. And I'm not old, but I'm not young either. Going through that same level of um, of uh, of intensity. And as a gym owner, there's no way you would have a sustainable business if that's the type of approach that you had across the board. And he doesn't have that approach. I mean, I've been to his academy in Phoenix, um, and I've talked to him since then and shared even this story with, with him. Uh, and he has an incredible academy, a very successful association too, and, uh, and, and he's, he's wonderful. But that was my first exposure to a seminar. And then, of course, on the heels of that, uh, being with Pedro, I was like, my gosh, this is, this is exactly what I want. This is the type of, uh, personality that I'm seeking out. And it's not, you know, again, soft or whatever. It's just, it, it, it's this whole holistic approach to jujitsu, um, and how it applies to all aspects of your life. Not just the fighting aspect that really appealed to me too, in addition to just effective
0: techniques. I'm a purple belt. If a new person comes into class, they say, I've been to two or three classes. I'm new. Maybe they're an 18-year-old kid. They look athletic. Yeah. For me, that's a fun when they're ready to free train. Yes. That's an exciting role because it's not ever for me, at least easy, easy, yes. young, athletic guy to submit. But if you have more experience, normally you can. So there's many different degrees of a new guy walking into the gym mm-hmm. and going with someone who's been doing it longer. Do you have any stories? I don't know if it'd be a Gracie, <laughs> gracie challenge guy off the street. <laughs> any exciting stories related to you? Training with a new person. So I'll I'll, I'll tell one. um, When I was uh,
1: teaching karate and and I was a blue belt in jujitsu at the time, I had a student um, who had left and and, and went to Florida for a period of time and and learned this other style, came back, and I remember my instructor at the time saying, uh, he wants to have a class with you. And I'm like, okay, good. I would love, you know, I taught him private classes before. Love to. He's like, no, no, no. He wants to basically put his style against your style. He wants to have a fight. And I was like, oh, okay. It doesn't really sound like him, but that's what he wants to do. And, uh, and so I said, okay, well, we'll do that. And he's like, but I, my instructor at the time said, I want to video it. Okay. And so, um, we, uh, we schedule it. It's on a Saturday. It's after hours, and we're in the back room of the the academy. And, uh, you know, I blue belt at the time, I just know, to close the distance, you know, set up with strikes, kicks, close the distance, take him down, get submission, um, and, um, and and trust in your technique. And uh, that's what I did repeatedly to him over the course of the next hour, and he left and he never came back. And, uh, <laughs> so that was, that was one of the, one of the things that, uh, that, that quickly humbled him, I feel like. Um, but again, it just shows the power of jujitsu. And then, you know, you occasionally get people you have to, they don't tap. And so you put them unconscious. Uh, and, and so, you know, that, that I've done that on, on numerous occasions as well. And you get kids who come in and they, uh, they're young, um, they they want to test themselves, which is fine. They're fun roles for me. That's that's most likely what a street fight's going to look like and feel like. And so it, it really gives you a chance to, you know, just survive, protect yourself, look for the high, percent, high percentage submissions. And you win them over at the end of the day, if they have a great attitude, they're some of your best
0: students. Under the age of 16, have you ever choked a kid unconscious? <laughs> Let me think. Um,
1: man, at one time I accidentally broke a kid's foot.
0: <laughs> wow! Uh, how old? How old was oh he? Oh my gosh! Old, how old
1: were you? How old was he? Oh my gosh! So I was. This was back ten years ago. Okay. Total act. Freak accident. Um, he was doing a throw on me, and he, uh, and it wasn't his fault. I fell. Um, I I I fell in a freakish way and it landed on his foot, and. He ended up, like, he was limping, and it turns out he needed, like, I don't think he had to have surgery on his foot, but um, it, it, yeah, felt awful, awful. And I'm still really good friends with his mom, um, and she occasionally reminds me of it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that was, the, that, of course, wasn't intentional or anything. Uh, as far as submitting a kid, I feel like one time during a, this, a ceremonial choke, I think I put a kid out. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay. <laughs> uh this is that's the hard-hitting type of questions that nobody commented that on the post but that's what people want to hear yeah how old do you think that kid was uh probably man 11 and 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 that kid should have tapped should have tapped The parent probably was like yeah you should have tapped
1: yeah and it got got a got a laugh of course you know and everybody wakes up everybody's good at the end of the day but still yeah i mean i don't think doctors would appreciate that um you know you you definitely don't want to don't want to put somebody out uh, uh you know anytime you, you know and, and now i i will always be very aware of of someone you know responding to the intensity of a choke uh, which is why now with kids i just usually just throw them um because otherwise it just gets it there's there's too much room for error there <laughs> i i do a, a a throw also yeah and then yeah. they start giving resistance with the throw. yes yes Yes, and then it comes to sparring. And some of the kids, especially juniors, yeah. you know, they're teenagers, and they get wrestling experience, you're doing a sparring match. Yes. you, know, you got to try to take them down pretty quickly, um, because otherwise you're going to run into the next class. I mean, yeah, so it's uh, it's uh, it's it's definitely always say, don't make me look bad. This is
0: a freebie, all right? So just don't embarrass me. <laughs> well, for those of our listeners who don't know, Brian and I both teach kids' classes at Gracia, Kentucky, You get a white belt, then you get the next belt. Each belt, you get stripes. You can get one, two, three, four stripes before you're ready to test for the next belt. We are responsible for giving the stripes to the kid at the end of the class. Yes. A lot of people give a ceremonial choke. Mm -hmm. The person's supposed to tap. But for the kids, the safer way, I guess, is to do a ceremonial throw. But inevitably, these kids... It's their moment to shine Yes, in front of everybody. And for me, on Tuesdays when I teach the juniors, I'm doing a throw to a kid to give them a stripe. There's a <laughs> row of adults standing there waiting for the class to start. And they're like, all right, Kelly, let's see if you get this takedown. So all eyes are on me. I better get the takedown. Yes. Yeah,
1: you got to go fast. And you got to use a uh, sleight of hand, too. Usually I'll get them to say, hey, you're – you know, your dad wants to take a picture, your mom would take a picture of fast when they. That's when you do the touch moment. Okay, That's your moment. I like that. Yeah, you got to use a little bit of trickery there. Otherwise, those kids, man, they they will they will sense your weakness, and then they know if you don't get in within that first minute, you're gonna have have to you know throw a hail mary.
0: <laughs> don't want to get embarrassed.
1: Don't want to get embarrassed.
0: That's right. <laughs> I I did a throw to a kid years ago. I've been teaching kids jujitsu now for. A while. Yeah, like six, seven years. Yeah. Six years probably where I've been doing it, teaching some classes all by myself, and now, of course, every week. Um, but I took a kid down. I remember it was before corona, and he was kind of a dramatic kid. And right as I did it, he just goes, ah! <laughs> like, <laughs> As if his leg had snapped or something. There was no real injury, but everybody in the whole room stops, and I'm the one who just injured a kid. Right. Puts it, you on the spot as an instructor. It, it, it does. It does. It does. There's times, too, where
1: you just I always call it, you know, you call it in the act of being human. You make your mistakes as an instructor. You know, um, this hasn't happened to me in a while, but you know, you, you, you space out and you leave out a detail or maybe you show something wrong and you have to go back and correct yourself in a way that's, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's not too self-deprecating, but occasionally, you know, despite our best efforts, um, some colorful language slips out from time to time, uh, and, uh, the kids laugh and then you lose control of the class. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, (laughs) it's always something, something fun. I'm just glad. Uh, our friend Tim Gar is not teaching the kids. I feel like we'd have um, a, 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 a different type of group of kids if, if his influence was brought into that. I know we haven't mentioned Tim Gar in this, but those who don't know, he's, he's, a, he's a lost in the wilderness blue belt who should hopefully return one day to our academy.
0: But he's still staying relevant mm-hmm. within the community.
1: Yes, absolutely. We know where we can find him, the Smyrna Inn. Smyrna Inn, Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, in, in at in some type of beach in Mexico at some point. Um, yep. You know, he's a, he's a good dude, fun guy, um, always adds color to the Kelly Patrick Show uh, page and, uh, and, and adds an element of shock to
0: uh, into our daily lives on social media. <laughs> I've known some people who just don't, they're not fond of his posts. <laughs> and so they don't really like him. And then if, you know, his name comes up, they try to avoid talking about it. They, they, they're like, hey, man, you talk about, this. kind of like Daryl Ray. That's the kind of a legacy
1: you want to have, though. I feel like, right? I yeah. Mean, if if you, you you can't please everybody, and nor should you try to please everybody. So be yourself, and uh, you know, and yeah, Daryl Daryl the same way, right? I mean, at the end of the day, there's no false pretenses about that guy. Um, well, you could probably argue that somewhat, but you, you, what you see is what you get, and I have a lot of respect for that.
0: <laughs> I love it well Brian I appreciate you coming on the show of course you have your upcoming Brazil trip that's correct if someone is interested in following your experiences there of course they can yeah. do what is it dad Jitsu on Instagram so, so so it's
1: changed so Mr. Slow Disaster that's right okay. yeah, yeah Mr. spelled M-I-S-T-E-R slow disaster uh, you can follow my exploits on uh, on Instagram uh, it's, it's pretty tame occasionally I'm starting to do more technique stuff too um, man, you've gotten good at those. Those Thanks, videos man. you make. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's just you know stuff that is quick and and hopefully uh, insightful for folks uh, and just my flavor of of jujitsu that's been passed down from my instructors to me. I mean, there's no uh, original ideas. I wouldn't say, I mean, it's, uh, but it, but it's stuff that I've learned and honed over the years. There's a little bit of my signature that's, that's put on it, but I just love it. And, um, I love sharing the, sharing the art and, um, it's been, it's been great. So yeah, if you want to follow me on that, please do. And
0: I'll try to make it fun and, and not take up too much of your time. I love that with those videos you make on Instagram, that it, even if I'm not there, that I guess it has like a list. I'm I'm like tagged yes. on it, so I get to see it and then share yes. it on my story. And it's kind of cool to to. It's corny. This is a corny yeah. little world in a way mm-hmm. that we're in, but I hope to share that stuff and then get people to try, even if it's not our gym. Exactly to promote people to come and train their jujitsu and to because in our life in our world today, I don't think grown men in particular and women. Really do the uh, physical stuff sometimes that, that that I think is necessary for a, a physically healthy but also mentally healthy life. And I think jujitsu, obviously, like I said, Correct. we've drank the Kool-Aid, yeah. but really getting it out there, spreading the beautiful art, and, and just sharing it with as many people as possible is a legitimate goal of mine, and I, yeah. I know it is for you, too. Yeah, that's what we
1: talked about earlier, too, as far as goals in jujitsu at this stage of the game. It's, it's just really spreading the love uh, and being an ambassador of the art, because um, uh, I've been in jujitsu for years now, decades, and my mom still says, yeah, how was karate tonight? <laughs> Does she so, really? Yes.
0: <laughs> and she comes, she comes and watches you teach too sometimes. I've seen her in there. And so she still so, calls it karate. She sometimes. still calls it
1: karate sometimes. Yeah. How was karate? And I'm like, mom, ground karate was a lot of fun today. And uh she's like, I want to throw by and you guys were packed. And I said, mom, yeah, it's jujitsu. And, uh, and so God love my mom. She's the best and she's been such a supporter. So my dad too. And my grandmother who originally found, found that coupon in the newspaper, got it all started for me back in the day. But, you know, it's just, it's just a chance to show the the differences between the different martial arts and the effectiveness of jiu-jitsu and its availability and effectiveness, of course, at any age, all the way from, you know, three, four years old, all the way on up. And so, um, I try to try to show that. And yeah, you know, and and for somebody who's just interested in, in, in wanting to, to, to try out the martial arts, like I said before, just go to different gyms and see what is the best fit for you and who's the, who's the best instructor that is for you. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I, I don't have any, um, any false um, ideas or or pretenses that you know my style of teaching is going to be for everybody because sure. it's certainly not right. But if 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 you're traveling and you're, or you're in Louisville and you want to try it out or in Kentucky wherever, just just go and you know we have so much talent here in the state. Uh, you're going to find somebody and in, in a
0: place that's a good fit for you, no doubt about it. You've probably seen over the years the growth of the sport. Yes. I can't imagine. I mean, I I was oblivious when I stepped, when I brought my kids in in 2014. I had no idea what I was walking into. It could have been karate, honestly. Yeah. Someone told me that it was the key component to MMA. So I did try to go check it out, but I didn't know at all. That's probably less common today, you think, than it was in 2014. Over the past nine years, you think your average Joe off the street is familiar with what jujitsu is more so than ever? I think so. I, I really do. I feel like, especially with with
1: this, this uh, the sport of mixed martial arts growing over the years, and um, and, and, and it's just its popularity. Um, people uh, are very familiar with it, um, and, and now in any town across the United States, when you're if you're traveling, you're going to find a gym that does MMA, does jujitsu. Um, that's wonderful. I think people will also, um, over time, you know, the biggest fear, of course, in any type of growth is, you know, making sure you have a really good product at the end of the day Mm. and not watering it, getting watered down. And so, um, you have to be very careful, you know, as far as doing your research, understanding what's the, what's the instructor's qualifications, um, what's their lineage, um, you know, who are they as a person watching them teach, you know, developing that relationship. Um, all of those things are, are important because, you know, unfortunately there's also a lot of, um, folks out there who may not be as well suited to teach, um, as, as others or may have a toxic environment, you know, just because you're a black belt I, I feel like there's this, you know, sometimes a God complex that comes into, uh, a, 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 you know, the, 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 equation and it doesn't mean you're a good person, you know what I mean? And so and that, that's unfortunate. It's just, that's any profession, any type of thing, just because I'm, you know, a black belt in this doesn't mean I'm a black belt in life, you know? And so you have to be very mindful of that and, and, and vet your, um, your, your academies well. Um, and, and there's no hiding from that these days with social media. That's, that's one of the benefits of it is, you know, you, you can't fool everybody. Um, and you can't fool them for very long either. And that's, that's a good thing. I feel.
0: You're right. The God complex thing. It's not just for black belts, but I can remember when I started rolling with you, you were a brown belt when I started, or even I'm thinking Jeremy Kenyon, he was a Mm -hmm. purple belt. Just anyone who I rolled with. And I was like, wow, that guy just technically kicked my ass yeah so then i have this respect and I, it is warranted in that case yeah. for the specific action of you being able to kick my ass um but that doesn't always translate into yes therefore you're more trustworthy or a better it's, person or should be anything
1: exactly 100 I, I agree and you know and I, i'd say this too is for as you know when I, I used to just get down on myself getting tapped and everything i can tell you what i i may tap people throughout the week, but I don't, I don't keep a record of who I tapped or who I tapped to, Mm -hmm. you know, so if you're, if you're focused on that, just remember that the person who tapped you isn't as, um, is caught up in that as, as you might be in Mm -hmm. putting that pressure on yourself. And I say that for the white belts out there and the blue belts, it's like, man, gosh, I got, you got, got submitted it's, you know, it's not always something you did wrong. It's give credit to your partner for doing something correct, um, and, and landing it on you. And the better attitude you have, the more likely that person's going to be to share what they, what they did to you. And, but if they're, you know, it, they can be a black belt and still be a terrible person. And, um, <laughs> you know, I've ran into people like that before, uh, in my travels and, you know, you do you don't want to stay in 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 their circles for very long because it's 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 gonna um, result in 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 just a bad experience for you. You're not gonna have a good and that's any any martial art, not just jujitsu. I feel like there's this again this um, um, uh, mysticism with the martial arts that some people get caught up in, and um, and, and you want to keep a rational mind, level head about it.
0: I've said for a while, but even more so today than ever, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu of Kentucky, it's got real good jitsu, white gi, gi classes, mm-hmm. you know, some no gi also, but it's a, a very family-friendly environment. The kids program is, in a way, kind of the lifeblood, mm-hmm. a lot of times, of the whole entire academy. Yeah. But Gracie of Kentucky, we have very good class availability. Yeah. Six uh, noon classes a week. Yeah. Five evenings a week. And then what is it now? In the morning, Two or what? I 7 a.m. classes yeah. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Is there a Wednesday I also? Think, I think there's the 7 a.m. classes four days a week now. Oh, wow. Okay, so they keep tacking on more 7 a.m. Yeah. classes. So if you want yeah. jujitsu in a place where you feel comfortable and you, 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 you're you going to be with good people, it's almost like a, I don't want to say white-collar Yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. Kind of a white collar type environment. You got doctors and CPAs and you got people who work at Ford and mechanics and everything all mixed in, but it's a very, um, safe environment with a lot of good class consistency. You show up at this time, you know, there's going to be a class. It's not like there's any degree of where's everybody at or anything like that. It's a very well oiled machine. And you're not, you know, and for the people who are, um, more
1: competition minded, you're gonna find people there who, and I mean, and even in, the, in any class you walk into, you're gonna to get tough roles. And, yeah. You yeah. know, you it, go up to Russ Watley oh, or anyone and yeah. say,
0: "Hey, I want a round." And I know it's They'll gonna give be, it to you. It's gonna be hell,
1: you yeah. know. And but but that's that's what I love about it is you know, and you may have classes where you get three or four back to back to back, and the you know you know how this is the higher rank you go, the more people are gonna say, "Hey, can I roll with you?" And you're like, "Yeah, come on, let's go." Uh, but, uh, and so it really forces you to, you know, especially me and you get really good quality, blue belts, purple belts, brown belts. I mean, it's such a great challenge to keep my sword sharp and to get better uh, and to continue to improve by putting myself out there and sticking my neck out. And I'm not worried about, man, I got caught. Hey, good job. Perfect. That's, that's the goal at the end of the day is to make your students better than you are at every, at every rank, you know, there is. And, um, and to realize if you do catch somebody, hey, good job. Um, today you, tomorrow, me type of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's it's a old saying to not get too high or too yeah. low at right. any point, but it right. really does apply yeah. to jujitsu. If you don't get hurt that day, you get to go home without an injury. Yeah. That's really and you did roll. Yeah. Regardless almost. Yeah. It, that's what that's how you progress.
1: It's like, you know, as you're sparring, you're going to get hit, you know, sure. so it's same thing with submissions. You're going to get caught. Just keep going. It's part of the process, right? So uh, just keep that healthy mindset and you're going to have a long um, and really great life when it comes to training on the mats. It's going to permeate into every area of your life. I love it. Well, Brian Phillips, I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, man. Thank really you Really great much. to have you and thanks for everything you do and for the local community here Um and uh, having great guests on, and run it, runs the spectrum, and it's uh, such great, great, um, an honor to be here. So
0: thank you again. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Of course, we will have another episode of the Kelly Patrick Show out soon.